0: Wow, I am so honored to be back here at Northside Church and want to thank your pastor, Nate Ross, for inviting me back. And we are in a sermon series called Unsung Heroes, and uh, we're going to find our hero for this message in the book of Philemon. His name is Onesimus. He's found in the book of Philemon. And we're going to do something uh, today that maybe you have not done before uh, in, a, in a church service is we're going to read the entirety of a book of the Bible, like the whole thing. Now, not, the, the good news is this is one of the shorter books in the Bible, but we're going to read the entire thing. So I hope you like the Bible because here we go. Philemon, starting with verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother... To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also Apthia, our sister, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he's become useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. From this text, I want to speak to you on the title, Onesimus, a higher level of usefulness. Onesimus, a higher level of usefulness. God, I pray that this would be your message, that ultimately you would be speaking, and I would just be the vessel, the vehicle that you have decided to use to say what you want to say. To these, your beloved children, my sisters and brothers, God, I desire to be obedient to your word, so please let it be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Onesimus, a higher level of usefulness. In this season, we find ourselves in, sisters and brothers, it would be important to know that God has use for you, and God has a purpose in this particular season. Over the past couple years, a lot has been going on, a pandemic, political and racial unrest, economic challenges. Many of us are considering a bicycle just so we can bypass a gas station. But in the midst of the unrest, in the midst of the brokenness, in the midst of what seems like a world turned upside down, God is not surprised. God is not shaken by this broken world. Matter of fact, over 2,000 years ago, God himself in the form of his only begotten son, Jesus, truly God, truly human, came into this upside down broken world. And God, through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, Declared and demonstrated what this upside down world could look like if it was turned right upside again, if it was turned right side up. And he called that the kingdom of God. And Jesus went to the cross and died for this upside down, broken world. He died on the cross for our upside down, broken lives, that we might be right side up people until such time as Jesus returns. I heard an old preacher once say that, that when, when, when Jesus returns, this is ultimate justice, but until then, it's just us. And until Christ returns, it's just us. God has use for you and I. God desires to be love and grace and freedom and power and truth and righteousness through us. This is the mission of the church. Before the pandemic Churches, for the most part, were were measured. Success, if you will, was judged by how many people showed up on Sunday, how much you brought in on the offering, how large the building, how well-known the pastor. Ah, but the pandemic changed all that. If those were ever the right measurements in the first place, the, the, the measurements now, is about who the church will be in a broken world. Who will we be in connection to broken, upside-down lives? Who will the church be? Who will Christians be? It's not anymore just about who is coming into the church. It's about what kind of people is the church releasing out into the world. This is how we will know that the church is faithful, that the church is fruitful. Not just by who's coming in the church, but who's being released out of the church into this broken world. God has you for you. The book of Philemon. The main characters are Paul, Philemon, and Onesimus, our unsung hero. The main systems in the book of Philemon are slavery, incarceration, and though not directly mentioned, the kingdom of God. The main things going on in the book of Philemon, or at least being referred to, are evangelism, church planting, leadership development, and the transformative grace of God. And here's the main thing for us. If the big idea, my thesis for this sermon, if you will, is this. In Christ, we can find a new identity and a new purpose. That's the big idea of this message. In Christ, we can find a new identity and a new purpose. So, if you're interested in finding a higher level of usefulness in a broken world, this message is for you. Now, you know, you can just indulge me because, you know, I'm chocolate and Baptist. You don't have to say amen at any point in this sermon. But if you feel it, but I ain't, but I ain't pressuring you now. I ain't going... I ain't going to force no amen out of you. This is, as, 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 as Paul said to Philemon, I'm not going to force you. It's voluntary. <laughs> so if you're trying to find a higher level of usefulness in a broken world, this book is for you because the first thing it does is it reveals the enslaved life. The enslaved life. Paul says in Philemon verse 4, He's talking to Philemon. Paul says, I I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people, your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who has become my son while I was in chains. Why is this talking about the enslaved life? Well, Onesimus is a runaway slave who has been incarcerated. He finds himself a cellmate with Paul. Now, we've got to get to the systems here of of what kind of slavery is this. And and this is going to be very important to remember as we move through this message. This form of slavery that that is going on in the culture at the time is about um, debt, financial debt. In the world at the time, in this culture at the time, if you were in debt to somebody, so you owe someone, you can't pay them back. You just don't have it. I mean, like, like, they didn't say, okay, we'll set up a payment plan for you and we'll add interest to the payment plan. No, we're past that part now. We're, we're past the part that, you know, you owe somebody some money, we set up a payment plan, we put some interest on it, you pay it back. No, that, 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 that Onesimus has found himself in such financial debt to Philemon that he becomes Philemon's servant, his slave with the idea that he's going to work off his debt and then he'll be free. Now, I want to go a little deeper here because we could just beat up Onesimus and say, man, you don't know how to handle money. What is wrong with you? Why did you make the mistakes that you made? Why did you let yourself get in debt to Philemon? And we could just make it about the individual Onesimus. And maybe he was bad with money. Maybe he spent money foolishly. That could be the case, but it also could be the system in which he was in because uh, there, there were a number of taxes in the culture at the time. And if you read the Gospels, you know that tax collectors were not very popular. When Jesus met with tax collectors, people would say, oh, Lord, he's meeting with tax collectors and sinners, almost like tax collectors were worse than sinners. And if you're honest, you don't really want the IRS to call you. So you might not even like tax collectors. I don't know. I just know that the system had taxes on top of taxes on top of taxes, and then there were religious taxes. It wasn't like the church back then was just passing the plate around or talking about giving online, and we hope you give. We hope you're generous. We hope you'll tithe. Please, I hope we can do something for Jesus in such a way that you might be led to give financially. No, religious leaders were taking advantage of working class people why do you think Jesus went in the temple and turned over tables and was so angry because there was like government tax systems and then there was religious tax systems and it was corrupt so it could be that Onesimus just was bad with his money and he was frivolous and, and just, just had bad behavior, spent money on sinful stuff. That could definitely be the case. It could also be a sinful tax system that got him in the position he was, or both, we don't know, the Bible doesn't say. But I do, this is how I know that all that can be plausible, possible, because you have to understand the dimensions of sin in the Bible. Uh, uh, one dimension of sin is sin is in the soul. So it, it, that, that's, that's, that's the easy one that we, we all know, right? In the Bible that sin is in the heart of human beings. We are sinful people. We're born sinners. We need a redeemer. Sin is in the soul. We also see in Scripture, though, that sin is in society. Sin is in systems, in institutions, in structures. When when they were building the Tower of Babel, sinful structure. Uh, Egypt, in the book of Exodus, a sinful system, government, nation. Uh, The empires of Babylon, Assyria, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire, even the nation of Israel. Instead of claiming God as their king, they said, give us a king like them. So God let them have Saul. Eventually, Israel would be divided into two different nations. Why? Because sin is in the heart. Cain killed Abel. But sin is also in systems and structures that individuals with sin in their hearts collectively build. But sin is also in Satan, the tempter. Lucifer, the great liar, the embodiment of evil, Satan, the dragon, the beast. Sin is in those three dimensions. The, the problem is, sisters and brothers, if we're honest, uh, we're divided in the body of Christ over these dimensions. Some people just see sin being in the soul. So they, they go, hey, you know what? Where sin, is, sin is in that person's heart. And if that person's heart would be changed in Christ Jesus, if they would confess their sins, they would be changed. And you know what? That's true. But then there are people that believe that sin is in the soul, but they don't see sin in systems and structures and institutions. They don't want to have that conversation. That even today, sin is in systems and structures and institutions. And there are some people that see sin in structures, but they don't see sin in the soul. So they're fighting to change the system. They're fighting to change the structure, but they don't want to deal with the sin in their own heart. Some people are fighting for system change while they're committing adultery. Some people are fighting for system change while they're lying because they don't see that sin is in the system and sin is in the soul. And then there's the people that just see sin in Satan. So all they're doing is just casting stuff out. I cast out that spirit of stubbornness. I cast out that spirit of pride. I cast, if you cough, <coughs> I cast out that spirit of coughing. We ain't claiming that here at this church. But it's in all of its sisters and brothers. Sin is in the soul. Sin is in systems. Sin is in Satan. And that's how we should read the text. That's how we should understand how Onesimus was enslaved and now incarcerated. Now, if you can't see the sin in the systems, you at least have to see it through Paul because... Onesimus is in jail because he broke the law. Why is Paul there then? He's there for preaching Jesus. He's there for planting churches. He's there for casting out evil spirits in Jesus' name. He's there for being emboldened and empowered by the Holy Ghost. He is there because they couldn't shipwreck him. They couldn't stone him to death. They couldn't beat Jesus out of him. They couldn't jail him. long. He's old and incarcerated because the system is flawed. Because sin is in every fabric of a broken world. But that's why God has use for you. That's why God invented the church. God has a strategic game plan on what to do when everything is in debt. Because it's not just about financial debt, sisters and brothers. It's about sin debt. And because of sin, we're all in debt. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. I could end the sermon right there, but I got a couple more points. But I could end it right there and say that Jesus paid it all for our sin debt. And now instead of being the enslaved to sin, we are set free in Jesus and and there's use for us. That's what Paul is saying to Philemon. Yes, Onesimus is your slave. Yes, he is incarcerated, but God has use for him. I wish you could see it. This takes me to point two. We have, that the good news is God moves us from the enslaved life to the liberated and transformed life. The liberated and transformed life, verse 11. Paul says, formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would, I, I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason to incarceration, to coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Paul is saying, I'm presenting back to you something new. You know, when a couple gets married, when they're at the when when, when they're at the altar with the preacher, at at, at the end, the, the preacher has the couple now married, turn and face the congregation and presents them new. They came down the aisle, uh, well, she came down the aisle, he was standing there already, as two individuals. They now turn as as transformed. They are now one in Christ Jesus. The preacher, when he officiates a wedding, he presents the couple, he, he presents them back, Anew. This is what Paul is doing in Christ with Onesimus. He's saying Philemon, he left you as a slave. He left you as a lawbreaker. He left you as someone in debt. I am now presenting him back to you, not as a slave, but set free in Christ. Not as the incarcerated, but the redeemed. The one in intimate relationship with God. I'm presenting him back to you as your brother. This is what transformation looks like, the liberated and transformed life in Christ. You know what the funny thing is? This line where he says, I, I, I know that he was, he, he was of no use to you, but now he's useful to both of us. This, this is such a powerful moment of redemption because Onesimus, his name Means useful. That's what his name means. So this means that in the enslaved life, Onesimus was living beneath his name. He was living beneath being made in the image of God. He was living beneath who God created him to be. And you know what? That's true for many of us. It, it, this is no shame. This is no guilt trip. But too many of us in our single life, we're living below who God created us to be. We're living below what our marriage should be. We're living below what our parenting should be. We're living below how we should handle our finances and And God is not here to guilt trip you. He's here to grace fill you and present you back a new liberated being. Give God your marriage. Give God your manhood. Give God your womanhood. Give God your career. Give God your time. Give God your gifts. And God will elevate you back to your name. Back to who you were made to be. The liberated and transformed life. You know, um, I, uh, I, I, I'm ordained in two different denominations, the Evangelical Covenant Church, originally ordained in the National Baptist Convention. My spiritual father and pastors here tonight. If you hear some loud amens, don't, don't you know, don't get scarred. It's just, it's the Lord. So you you good, you good. So, so, um, uh, but... I'm originally ordained in the National Baptist Convention USA Incorporated. And our, our roots go all the way back to a slave named George Lyle. George Lyle was a slave in South Carolina and in Georgia. He eventually found his freedom. He found his freedom in Christ spiritually and he found his freedom socially. He was able to then work and save enough money to purchase freedom for his wife and his children. And he planted what would be the first African Baptist churches in the United States. He went from there and became a missionary to Jamaica. I know that in some seminaries they will teach you that a guy by the last name of Judson was the first American to leave this nation and be a missionary abroad, but it was really George Lyle, but because he wasn't able to have full American citizenship, he wasn't counted to much later. I stand on the shoulders of George Lyle, who was transformed in a broken world, God Found use for him. I wonder if there were nights on, on the plantation, nights in the barn, nights on a dirt floor when he was not able to see himself the way God saw him. But because George Lyle had faith, his faith it, it propelled him into freedom. Freedom in Christ, freedom from slavery, freedom to evangelize, freedom to plant churches, and freedom to be a missionary in Jamaica and lead people to Christ. George Lyle, God had use for him. I don't care what the world has done to you. I don't care if your daddy wasn't there for you. I don't care if they fired you from your job during COVID. I don't care if people have turned their back on you. I don't care if you're not as popular as you used to be before you came to know Jesus, but God has use for you. If he can use George Lyle, he can use you. Next is the life worth paying for, the life worth paying for. In verse 19, it says, "'I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. "'I will pay it back, "'not to mention that you owe me your very self. "'I do wish, brother, "'that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. "'Refresh my heart in Christ, "'confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. What he's saying, I explained to you that the system of slavery that was going on here was because of debt. Paul is saying, I will pay Onesimus' debt. I will pay it. Charge it to me. This, this and then he, he also says this though, which, which uh, he says, Not to mention, you owe me your very self. Now, what does Philemon owe Paul? Philemon is rich. Philemon is a wealthy man. When you, back in this day, wealthy people were the entrepreneurs, the business owners, and the bank. You went to rich people to get a loan so you could buy land. So, so Philemon was, was like Wells Fargo. He was Wall Street and, and, and he was like, you know, the 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 entrepreneur. Premier. He was like Warren Buffett and Wall Street and the bank and the landowner. So what does Philemon owe? Paul, he owes him his life because it doesn't matter how wealthy you become on this earth. You could be a billionaire. You could be a, a quadruple heir. You, you could be whatever next heir they create to put you in Forbes magazine. But if you are impoverished in your soul, you are still on your way to hell. There is no Wall Street for rich sinners in heaven only Jesus. That's why the good news is Paul is just giving us a picture of what Jesus does. Ah, you don't want to get an invoice on sin debt. You don't want to know the compound interest rate on sin debt. But over 2,000 years ago, God sent the greatest stimulus package into this impoverished world. The bull and the bear shook uh, when Jesus came down here and Jesus on the cross died died for our sins ah what was the economic system of the crucifixion it was paid in blood not in bonds not in stock not in and in money not in dollars not in bitcoin it was in blood the blood of jesus paid it all y'all making me preach so hard tonight y'all making me work so hard tonight I had to work, so I had to say blood over Bitcoin. I had to do. (laughs) And finally, the life worth praying for. Paul, even though this message is about Onesimus, I guess it's about Paul and Onesimus. I didn't make a Batman and Robin out of this unsung hero sermon. Because Paul says, verse 22, he's like, I know we're talking about Onesimus. But could you do one more thing for this old, incarcerated Christian? One more thing. Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Now, what is he saying? He's in jail. This could be towards the end of the letters that Paul writes. I believe that he's, he's talking about if I'm freed from here, prepare a place for me. But I think he's also saying, pray for my guest room because this jail cell won't always be my residence. One day I'm going somewhere where there'll be no jail cells, where there'll be no corrupt systems, where there'll be no slavery, where there'll be no law breaking. I'm going to, God has prepared a place for me. Would you pray for me? Would you prepare my guest room? One day this chocolate brother right here is going up yonder where there'll be no racism, there'll be no prejudice, there'll be no hate, there'll be no unforgiveness, there'll be no violence and schools. There'll be no brokenness. Ah, pray for me. Ah, There's a life worth praying for. That's what we should be doing. We shouldn't be commentating on people on Facebook. We should be praying for people, praying for people. If, 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 if Christ can pay for our lives, the least we can do is pray for our lives because you don't have to pay. So you should at least pray. Sisters and brothers, as I come to my close, Onesimus became a new human being. Scholars believe that he went on to be an evangelist, which means Philemon did welcome him home. Ah, he ended up being an evangelist and then a church planter. There are theologians that say he went on to become a, a bishop in Ephesus. Philemon welcomed him back. Onesimus, no longer the in debt, no longer the enslaved, no longer the incarcerated, no longer the guilty because God had use for them. Ah, this is the story of the scriptures. When God has use for you, ah, Ah, Esther thought that she was just going to be a queen waving her hand, but God had use for her. You can read the story. Ah, David thought he was just going to be watching sheep for his daddy, but God had use for him. Jeremiah thought he was too young to be a prophet, but God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God had use for him. Nehemiah had a good... Good government job, but God had use for him. I wish y'all could catch what I'm trying to throw at you right now. Isaiah was just supposed to be a shepherd, a working class guy, but God had use for him. Haggai, God had use for him. Ah, sisters and brothers, Paul in a jail cell because God had use for him and God has use for you. You're not too old. God has use for you. It ain't over. Northside Church, God has use for this church. Will you let God use you? I know you had plans. I know you've had some business meetings with minutes. I know it's been recorded. But what if God has new use for you? What if God wants this church to look more like heaven than it does right now? What if God wants this to be a Christ-centered, multi-ethnic, multicultural, multilingual church? You might say, but as I look around this county, we don't have all that diversity. Well, maybe God's about to bring it. Maybe God's about to extend, expand, diversify your territory. Because God has use for you. Because God's not going to just keep looking down at this broken, messed up, upside down world and do nothing. And until such time as he sends his son back, God has use for us. Let's pray. Whatever you want to do in us, God, do it. Whatever you want to do in my life, do it, God. However you want to use my gifts, however you want to use my single life, my marriage, however you want to use my manhood, however you want to use her womanhood. You've always had use for us. It's time that we no longer see ourselves as useless and in Christ Jesus see ourselves as useful. Let it be done in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let the church say, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for having me here this weekend.